0: You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Humby Savetta. Uh, last weekend, we finished up our series on mental health, our Mental Health Month series. And uh, while that was going on, as we were finishing that up, the NFL Draft was happening. How many of you guys are interested in the NFL Draft? All right, three people. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> cool. All right, so for the rest of you guys, there's gonna, I've got some great news for you right now I'm going to talk to you guys about. So last week, in the NFL Draft... All these guys were just hoping that their dreams would come true. And for one of the uh, a local kid, his dreams did end up coming true. And his name is Marcus Davenport. You see, Marcus Davenport is a defensive end out of a uh, little school. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. UTSA, yeah, go runners. Yeah, yeah all right. So uh, out of UTSA, he also went to Stevens High School. Uh, here in San Antonio, so he was local from high school and in college, and he was drafted by the New Orleans Saints with the 14th overall pick in the draft. Not only that, but the Saints actually traded up to get him. So they traded some stuff, moved the position up to get earlier because they wanted to have him on the team so badly. So what they did is they traded uh, this year's and next year's number one pick that they have and a fifth round pick. for, for one guy. So when a team does this, it's because they feel like he's the last piece or one of the last pieces that will get them over the hump to get them a championship, to get them a Super Bowl. And really, it just means they think that he has fantastic potential. So what happens to expectations for somebody when a trade happens like this? Well, they go through the roof. All the people in the organization, in the fan base expect Davenport to excel as soon as he shows up. Now, it's up to Marcus Davenport to follow through with the promise that was made by the Saints organization. Now, I know that sounds weird, but this is how it works. The promise that was made by the Saints organization to the fans, to the rest of the players, is that Davenport is worth more than three other guys that they could have potentially had on their team. So think about the pressure that he's going to have every single time he suits up. Every single time, every single practice he lines up, they're going to be like, oh, there's a dude they gave up all that stuff for. There's the guy, right? And everybody's going to be looking at him. All eyes will be on him to reform. So think about that pressure that he might have. So what about you guys? Have you guys ever felt a pressure like that? Don't say yes. You've never been drafted to the NFL before. God, a bunch of liars in here, man. But have you ever experienced something similar to that, where somebody places expectations on you? Somebody puts a promise, makes a promise that you have to fulfill later. That can be crazy, right? To have to deal with that kind of pressure that you don't even put on yourself sometimes. You, but you've got to deal with that pressure. Now, what's interesting is when you start following promises in real life, there can be pressure. But when we look at the Bible Sometimes following a promise can be the lowest pressure situation that you've ever found yourself in. Because here's the thing, God has expectations for you. God has also made promises for you in your life. But when we go along with his promises, instead of the ones that other people have made for us, or we've even made for ourselves, when we can go along with what he says and what he promises. It's easy. Because God is the one that follows through on those promises. We don't have to do it by our own power. We don't have to do it with our own strength. We just wait for him. There's peace in those promises. That's why this is the series big idea. Every single week, we're going to be saying this. There is peace in the promise. There is peace in the promise. So I want, we're going to do it on three. I'm going to count to three. I want you guys to say it with me, okay? Okay, hold on. I'm going to say it on three, and then I want you guys to say it with me. Okay? Okay. Okay, cool. Man. I understand that from the 830 service, but you guys have been up for a little bit. Come on now. Okay, ready? One, two, three. There There is peace in in the promise. promise. All right, everybody downstairs. Just downstairs, say it. One, two, three. There is peace in the promise. Everybody in the balcony. One, two, three. All right, everybody in the cafe and online, there is peace in the promise. (laughs) Cool. Good job, guys. Awesome. All right, so we see this peace fully at work in the story of the biblical character, Samuel. His story actually starts before he's ever conceived. You see, Samuel's mother, Hannah, was unable to have children. So one day, she goes into the temple, prays before God, and prays this prayer. There in 1 Samuel 1 Hannah says, "O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours or he will be yours for his entire lifetime, and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut." Now that's a prayer. That's a hardcore prayer. Because here's the issue. Even if God comes through, Hannah has to follow through on her end of it, right? Because when she says she will give her son back to God, she means that she will literally give him away someday. That means when Samuel is weaned, which is thought to be about three years old, Hannah would take him to the priest at the temple and Samuel would grow up there for the rest of his life. Samuel would actually become a Levite, a Levite. And one of the signs of somebody being a Levite is that they never cut their hair in dedication to the Lord. So what happens? Of course, God follows through. He confirms the promise that started with Hannah. Essentially, God's saying, okay, I agree. Samuel will be mine for his entire life. So when Samuel's three, he's sent to live with the priests led by Eli. Samuel is also brought up in all the ways of God and is doing a great job serving there. And actually, in 1 Samuel, it speaks of Hannah, his mom, showing up every single year with a coat to give to her son, and they maintained a relationship throughout the rest of his life. And as he grew, it also says, the scripture says that he grew in stature among men and God. He was doing everything right. He was nailing it. God was with him. Everything was going well. But everything would change one night. It would be his spiritual relationship with God would be taken to a whole nother level. And we see that in 1 Samuel 3. There it says, Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel! Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel! Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I did not call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he has not dis- disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. So in this moment, Samuel goes from a person who is just dedicated to God to a full-blown prophet who can hear what God has to say to him. He got a spiritual upgrade. And it's in that moment a new promise is made. The promise is that if Samuel opens himself up to God, and listens that God would speak something to him. And guys, this is incredible because at this point in the Bible, God isn't speaking with people like that very often. Not that many people. However, God knew that Samuel was trustworthy with the messages he wanted to convey. So what happens after this? Well, Eli's sons, who are priests, they're leading the people They are priests, and they are continuing to blaspheme God and do whatever they want. So in their next great battle with the Philistines, they're all killed. Every single one of Eli's sons are killed in battle. And when Eli hears this news, he falls back in his chair that he's sitting in, hits his head on the floor, and dies. And it's through this, through all these people dying, that it's actually Samuel that's put in charge of everything. So he's not only a prophet, but now he becomes a judge. He's put in charge of everything by God to lead the nation of Israel into freedom and victory in battle. Not only that, but Samuel was called to let the people know the right ways to lead their life. And we see that happen in 1 Samuel 7. The nation of Israel is being opposed by the Philistines, and Samuel gives them the game plan to defeat them. There it says in 1 Samuel 7, Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel... If you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth. Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites got rid of their images of Baal and Ashtoreth and worshipped only the Lord. After the nation of Israel went into battle with the Philistines, something incredible happened. So we'll go back to the scripture. There it says, The Lord with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day, or spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day, and the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. So just like that, Israel's free from oppression. Once again, God made a promise, and he followed through with it. At this point, Samuel gets it. He understands that there is peace in the promise. We see it right there with the people of Israel. Once they follow. Once they listen to the promise that was made to them by God through Samuel to throw away the other gods, then they can find the peace that they are looking for without oppression, without anything. They just get to live and enjoy life. And it's the same thing with us, guys. We can follow God's, when we can follow God's promise, we will find peace because he always follows through on his promises. Now, each and every one of us has a promise that God has made for us. It could be a calling that's been placed on our life. It could be your family. It could be a vocation. It could be anything. But each and every one of us has been promised something in some way, shape, or form. And in Samuel, this promise is just the beginning. We read that Samuel's purpose wasn't just being conceived and born and hanging out with all the priests there in the temple. No, it was more than that, right? God wanted Samuel to become a prophet. God wanted Samuel to become the spiritual leader of a nation. God wanted Samuel to become the mouthpiece of him. It was so much more than just that promise. And we can find peace in the promise. But the other thing that we need to look at, the other thing that we need to think about in these promises is that there is purpose in the promise. There is purpose in every promise that God makes to us. To get peace, to get to the purpose in these promises, you have to do something. You have to take the next right step in your life. And it's going to be different for everybody. Some of us might need to figure out what our promise is. Some of us are trying to find peace, right? We're just trying to lean in. We know what the promise is, but we're trying to find our peace in that promise. While the others of us, we've got the promise, we've found the peace, we're trying to find the purpose, we're trying to find where to use it, we're trying to find how to do it. So how do we go about figuring out what the promise is, where our peace is, what the purpose is? Well, let's go back into the scripture. We just read this in Samuel a couple of minutes ago. There in 1 Samuel 3.10, he says, And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. This is the exact moment that it becomes more than just a promise. This is the exact moment where it's more than just peace. There's purpose here because after this, everything changes for Samuel. God starts working in completely different ways. Remember, a whole other level of spiritual blessing in Samuel's life. And, guys, I believe that God has this promise for you in your life. I believe that he's calling out to you. He's calling out to you, and he's saying it right now. He's saying, Malcolm, Malcolm, he's calling out to you. He's saying, Rob, Rob. He's calling out to each and every one of you by name. That's exactly how he works. But you have to do your part. Just because he's calling, that isn't enough. You have to answer him. So right now, I want to say this all together. We'll we'll, we'll throw it up on the screen what I want you to say. So on the count of three, I want all of us to say, Speak, God, your servant is listening. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Speak, God, your servant is listening. Cool. So we're going to do it one more time, but after we say it, we're going to spend some time to actually listen to God and see what he has to say to us. All right? So one, two, three. Speak, God, your servant is listening. Now, for some of you, you just heard something from God. If you did, write it down, pull out your phone, type it into your notes, send it as a text message, email yourself, whatever it is, get it down somewhere so you can go back and look at it and remember what it is that God has to say to you. Now, if you didn't hear anything right now, that's okay. Remember, Samuel didn't get it right. He ended up being pretty good, but he didn't get it right the first few times. But here's the thing, either way, speaking to God and listening in this way is the next right step for every single one of us. So keep on doing it. Ask God to speak to you and spend time listening to him. So I want to get back into Samuel right now real quick. So remember the people of Israel turned away from these false idols, turned towards God. Now, by doing that, they were able to defeat their oppressors, and everything is going great in Israel from then forward, Um, until Samuel uh, gets up in age. He starts getting a little bit older, and people start asking questions like, hey, what's going to happen when Samuel's gone? What are we going to do? Who's going to lead us? Who's going to be able to defeat all these armies and call God down when we ask him to? How are we going to figure this out? So they start looking around at the rest of the world. Well, well how are the other nations run? What do they do? And, and how do they uh, go around? Because they don't have like a prophet sitting at the top and speaking for God and uh, everybody doing everything. So what do they do? Well, they looked around. They saw that everybody had a king. So the people of Israel decided they wanted to be like the rest of the world. They wanted a king too. So they go to Samuel, talk to him about it. And he hates this idea. And he goes to God to talk to him, to counsel with God. And it's, God has an interesting take on all of this. There in 1 Samuel 8, he says, do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way that a king will reign over them. So Samuel does that. He goes back to the nation of Israel and explains that this king will draft their sons to fight in wars, that this king will force their daughters to bake for him and make all kinds of perfumes. This king will choose the best land, will choose the best crops, will choose the best livestock and give it to his officials, take it away from you and give it to his officials. What he tells the nation of Israel is that this king will make you beg God to remove him. But when you do that, the Lord will leave you with this king in charge because that's exactly what you asked for. So he gives them this warning. And after the warning, look at how the people of Israel responded. There in 1 Samuel 8, it says, but the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. Guys, we do the same thing all the time. We have this great and awesome God that takes care of us, but we choose other things to follow. We look at the world around us and we see all the people around us and how they are being led and all the things that they get to do. And we say, we want to be a part of that. What we don't realize is by doing this, we are choosing to follow a new king. Now, I'm not saying that if you spend time doing anything but reading your Bible, that you aren't following God. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that there are things that are so constantly on your mind, that are so constantly overwhelming you or just at the front of your brain that you miss God calling out to you. So if you have those things in your brain, you are following a different king. Because guys, the king that we should want to follow is the one who walked the earth, the one who looked into the eyes of everyone and loved them up close. The king that we should want to follow is the one who lived a life of service, the one who had all the power in the universe, but he laid it down. The king that we should want to follow is the one who gave up his life for our sins. The one that saved us by sacrificing his life. The one that spilled his blood because he loved us more than anything else in the universe. So who do you want to be your king? Do you want to serve Kanye? I mean, I know his new stuff's dope and it's lots of fun. But do you want to serve Jesus or do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to follow a king I mean, I know what he did last night was amazing, incredible, but do you want to follow a fake king or the king of kings? Do you want to serve a man and follow someone that made history, or do you want to follow the person that created all of history, or do you want to save all your passion defending and fighting for and watching out and seeing what the leader of the free world is going to do, or... Or do you want to use all that passion and all that mental effort to follow the person that gave the world freedom? I want you to choose Jesus. I want you to choose to follow the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, and the Omega. Because he promised us that if we choose him, we will find our best life. He promised us that if we choose him, he would never turn us away. He promised us that if we choose him, we will never walk in darkness again. And he promised us that by simply believing that he died on the cross for our sins, that we would experience an eternity in heaven. And none of those other people, none of the other things on this earth can promise anything close to any of those things. That's why I want you to choose the right king. So if you've never gotten a chance to choose Jesus as your king in your life, if you've never gotten a chance to accept these promises that he has made for you, I want to give you a chance to do that right now. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. So just go ahead and pray something like this between you and Jesus. Jesus, thank you for the promises that you've spoken into my life. Thank you for putting me here today. I want to be the king. I want you to be the king of my life. I want to choose you. I want you to know that I believe in your promises. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And from here on out, I will follow you the best way I know how. So with our heads still bowed, for those of us that have started a relationship with Jesus before, whether it's been for 30 years or three seconds, pray something like this with me. Jesus, I want you to be the king that I continue to choose. I want to lean into every single promise you have made about me. I want to lean into you. Please help me continue to take the next right step in my life. I love you. Thank you for everything. And we pray all of these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.